All right, let's. Uh, so we've uh, taken a journey through um, the Old Testament. We started in Revelation. We did an overview of Revelation. Then we did some Old Testament passages. Now we're going to do Revelation. How about that? In theory, uh, we'll see how this. Uh, we'll see how this goes. All right, we ready? Let me open some word of prayer, and we're going to jump in. Lord, thanks for today and for and for the service and the message and uh, for our time here. And so, Lord, we pray that uh, it would be uh, clear and our understanding uh, would grow in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, turn to Revelation chapter 1. All right. And let me see here. Okay, now... Uh, See if I can. Okay, can y'all see that? Okay, everybody online, y'all see that? Okay, now, what we talked about. Let me get rid of some of this stuff. Uh, does this make sense to everybody? Um, uh, hopefully, uh, it does, right? And so, we're in the the church age now. This uh, this is the cross, uh, Christ's ascension to the right hand of the Father, uh, where He resides as great High Priest. That's the Psalm one ten, until. He returns. All of these, by the way, the, the charts, everything I'm showing you is available at biblicalstory.org, right? This is a website where Charlie Bayless and I post all of our class notes, okay? Uh, and so if you're in any book um, of the Bible, you can go there, <laughs> biblicalstory.org. There's a video series there, uh, and then there's uh, notes for each book of the Bible. Um, okay, so... Uh, so this blue here is the rapture of the church and the return with Christ. Okay, so so this 70th week of Daniel, this is what I've got up here on the, on the, uh, the, the board as, as well, but the 70th week of Daniel begins with the firm covenant. Okay, this is all prerequisite knowledge. These are things that we knew, uh, the reader knows from the Old Testament, before we even get to, uh, to the book of Revelation. Okay, um, let's, let's back up a little bit to remind ourselves of, of what's going on in the story. Uh, that the Christ, the promised Messiah of Israel, appears. There's a, that's a lot in just that one sentence. The Christ, the promised Messiah of Israel. Um, Christ, Messiah mean the same thing. So the promised Christ or Messiah, anointed king of Israel, the promised one that the Old Testament was looking for, appears as promised. Uh, presented to the nation of Israel as promised, validated through his words and his works. The words that match the Old Testament and his works that validated his identity for the Old Testament. Israel rejects him, and so he takes his disciples, his followers, and sends them out to take the message of salvation to the nations, as also was promised in the Old Testament, okay? Through Christ's rejection, the gospel has come to the Gentiles. Right? Paul's going to write about this extensively in all of his epistles. This is what's going on in all four gospels and the book of Acts, okay? So, so this is the backdrop, the historical backdrop for all of the gospels, the book of Acts, and all the epistles. In light of Christ's rejection by Israel, the gospel has gone out um, to the nations, and Christ is building his, 
ecclesia, building his assembly, made up not just of Jews only, but of Jews and Gentiles. Okay, so we call this the church age. Okay, um, it, The church age begins at Christ's ascension and will end at his return. So that's the red line there, okay? The second coming of Christ, okay? Um, so we are in the church age. When we get to uh, Revelation chapter uh, chapters 2 and 3, it's going to be the letters to the seven, seven churches, okay? Everybody good with that? Okay. All right. Um, that was a good interruption. Okay, so are we? Is everybody uh, good with what we talked about before Johnny came in late? <laughs> no, Johnny Baker. Jonathan came in, but Johnny Baker just showed up late, and Carla had to babysit him to get him here because otherwise he'd be wondering the wondering the halls out there. That's it. Okay, we good. So, so the story of the Old Testament, Israel's rejection, the promise Christ appears, Israel rejects, the gospel goes out to the, to the Gentiles at, as God has promised, per the Old Testament, per the, per the prophets. There's nothing new in the New Testament about this, right? It's just what was foretold happens in the gospels, explained to the Gentiles, because the Gentiles are in the dark the whole time. The whole Old Testament, they don't have a clue. They're just out there, you know, doing whatever Gentiles do. Um, uh, I was looking at uh, this Wonder Woman uh, 84, whatever that movie is out. Um, her name is Diana, right? Do you know about Diana? This is what the Gentiles worship. Diana was uh, the Roman uh, goddess, right? And this was just kind of standard fare. So Gentiles are still out there with their Wonder Woman, you know, stories or whatever, right? Uh, so they're in the dark. They don't know. And so through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now, remember, in the Old Testament, to the Jews, the law explained God to Israel. Does that make sense? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Uh, the law explains who God is to Israel. That explanation plays out in Israel's history and is reflected on by the prophets. Everybody good? All right. Uh, and so what the, the function of the law was to reveal God to Israel. The problem was, and to call them to holiness. What do we mean by holiness? Uh, to call them to be separate from the nations. That's what holy means, to be set apart, set apart from the Gentiles. Don't worship the gods they worship. Don't, don't dress like they dress. Don't do what they do. Okay? Did it work? No. At the end of the Old Testament story, the law has failed to do its job, and the Jews are just like the Gentiles. In fact, they're banished from the land and dispersed among the Gentiles. Christ appears to call Israel out of bondage. Does that make sense to you? Out of exile, and they reject the invitation. And so the gospel goes to the, to the Jews in the diaspora, as it goes from Jerusalem to Judea, to Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth, calling Israel to repent in light of Israel's rejection, then the gospel goes to the Gentiles. Here we are in Brenham, Texas, um, listening to uh, and being taught the gospel, the good news of Messiah, the promised Christ of Israel. Good? All right. So uh, 
turn to uh, Romans. Let me introduce the book of uh, uh, Revelation by reminding you of uh, what Paul says to the Romans. Okay, so this is in Romans chapter 11. Paul has explained Israel's rejection. Uh, it is not as though the word of God has failed. 11.11, uh, 11, they did not stumble so as to fall, did they? Talking about Israel, may it never be. But by their uh, transgression, by Israel's transgression, I'm in chapter 11, verse 11 of Romans, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make them jealous. Now, if their transgression be riches to the world, does that make sense to you? Israel's rejection, gospel goes to the world. Uh, and their failure be riches for the Gentiles, how much more will, will their fulfillment be? In other words, the promises made to Israel, once they are fulfilled to Israel, what's going to take place then? Uh, well, it's the kingdom. But I'm speaking to you who are Gentiles, insomuch as I'm an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. If somehow I might move to jealousy, my fellow countrymen, and save some of them. So in the midst of Israel's general rebellion, uh, there is still a believing remnant that is happening in Israel, and Paul's desire uh, is for his brethren, that they would be saved. He continues. For if their rejection, if Israel's rejection be reconciliation of the world, what does that mean? Is everybody good with that? Uh, Israel, uh, that the world rejected uh, uh, God, the creator, and rejected the rock of his salvation, that is Christ. Right? And what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? And so Israel's rejection led to reconciliation to the world, the gospel going out to the Gentiles. What will their acceptance, what will Israel's acceptance be but life from the dead? What does that mean? Resurrection. When does resurrection occur? After Israel believes at the return of Christ. Uh, and so, uh, so uh, flip forward a little bit to 1125. Uh, for I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of this mystery, lest you be wise in your own estimation, that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. All right, so we are in this time where the fullness of the Gentiles is coming in. Right? It hasn't been completed. The gospel is still going out to the Gentiles. But after the fullness of the Gentiles has been completed, then all Israel will be saved, just as it is written. All right? Can you define all Israel? Uh, so the, the nation Israel, the, the, all of those who are um, on the earth as Israel, who believe in the Christ, will be saved. So is that a certain time, like in Revelation chapter something? Well, we're, we're getting it. We're setting it up, right? So this is what we're anticipating, right? And now, not only believers who are alive at that time, but also those who have perished in the past, having faith in Christ. Okay? Right. They will be, Abraham will be saved. Is Abraham saved now? Was Abraham saved back in the day? The promise. He was, he was already but not yet saved. He's on the paradise side. Okay. Um, and so are we, by the way. Uh, uh, 
time out, pause, let me show it to you, what I'm talking about. In Ephesians chapter 2, right? you know this, Ephesians 2, 8, you know this verse? For by grace, how, how did you say that? For by grace you, anybody have a uh, King James version? What does King James say? Ephesians 2, 8. Grace, are ye saved? Are ye saved? Through faith. Through faith. Whoa, whoa, whoa. For by grace you were saved? Or by grace are you saved? Are. Right. Have been. Well, and then it says you have been. Okay. There's a tense in Greek that we don't have in English. It's called the perfect tense. And the way the perfect tense functions in the Greek is there's something that happened in the past tense that has future and lasting results. Okay? So for by grace were ye saved. True. For by grace are ye saved, King James language. True. <coughs> but by grace will you be saved. Right? Delivered. Delivered from what? The wrath of God. Saved to what? Eternal life. <coughs> so do you have you have the promise of eternal life now yes do you have the reality of eternal life now it's resurrection from the dead we're still waiting for it okay so abraham was saved in the sense that he believed but his faith was looking forward to a future deliverance from death by grace you have been saved and so there's a sense in which you have been delivered from the penalty of God's wrath now, but you are still looking forward to the salvation which is still to come. So we would be right to talk about salvation in the past sense, in the present sense, and also, and most importantly, in the future sense. It's the perfect tense. It's the perfect tense. Can I just share what was, really quick? I remember we were down at David's mom's house one time, and James was probably in, in 13 or 14. He was sitting on a swing and he got up and then David came down and sat on that spot and James came back and said, Dad, I was sitting there. He said, well, you're not sitting here now. He goes, well, I was sitting there in the perfect tense. <laughs> I don't remember that, but he's claimed it forever. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so. We're going to talk. Yeah, we'll talk about we'll talk about that when we get there because there's some some misunderstanding about who's in the church, who's not in the church, and all that. Okay, so when will Abraham be delivered from death? Yeah, future tense. Uh, Isaac, Jacob, all of Old Testament Israel who believed, because not all Israel is Israel, since not all Israel believed. So the remnant, right? Uh, and then uh, when God fulfills his promises to the nation and calls the nation as a whole, remember, the nation as a whole repented, a remnant continued. But now in the end, the nation as a whole will believe. Right? So that which was rejected, they will believe as a nation. And so all of Israel, past, present, uh, Israel at the time, will be saved. Does that make sense? All right, 
So, um, thus all Israel shall be saved. I'm in uh, Romans chapter 11, verse 26, just as it is written. And then he goes and quotes appropriately the book of Isaiah. For the deliverer will come from Zion, and he will remove ungodliness from Jacob. When will the ungodliness be removed from Jacob? When will the ungodliness be removed from you, from me? At Christ's return at the resurrection. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. So from the standpoint of the gospel, he's talking about Israel Israel here, they are enemies for y'all's, Romans, Gentiles' sake. But from the standpoint of God's choice, God's election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. He made his promises to them. He will keep promises to them. So, but touching by election, that's those who are saved, not the elected? No. No. Okay, so so uh, both questions that we've had are, um, we have, um, we have commandeered. You know that word? It's a, it's a Pirates of the Caribbean word. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a sailor's theft word. Okay. We have stolen the language that God has used concerning Israel and made it our own. Right? And so whether we're, whether we're talking about Ephesians chapter 1 or Romans chapter 8, talking about uh, the, elect, the elect, those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to his image. Um, the, the ones that he foreknew in Paul's letter to the Romans is Israel. Those he foreknew, he pre- um, God has not forsaken his people. Has he? Who are his people? May it never be. Uh, 11, 1, let me read this to you. I say then God has not rejected his people. Has he? May it never be. For I too am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Or do you not know what the scripture says about Elijah? how he pleads with God against Israel. So the four new elect predestined to be conformed, all that Paul is saying is what we're watching, what we're going to to read about in the book of Revelation. That which God promised to Israel, he will keep. He foreknew, he predestined, he chose, he foreknew, and he will keep his promises to them. It's it's a theological uh, discussion that is valid, but when we take the theological discussion and when we assign it to Romans one or Ephesians eight, Paul is talking about the Jews in Romans one and Ephesians eight. Yeah. <coughs> Did you uh, differentiate between the nation of Israel and Israel? Yes. Uh, so the. Um, so the question uh, online, folks, was can I differentiate, differentiate between the nation of Israel and current day Jews? Okay. Uh, nation, God made his promises to a nation. Okay. Uh, nations have uh, borders, people, and a government. Uh, and so God, so this goes back to, I think, several weeks ago, we went through Jeremiah 31. God has not forsaken his people. 
He's going to keep his promises. He's going to make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant which he made before, which they broke. He's going to take them from the nations and he's going to bring them back into the land. He's going to give them a new heart and a new spirit, right? Uh, and uh, that's his promises. And then he says, uh, if you see the, you know, the sky, the, the, the stars in the sky or the waves on the seashore, he calls it this fixed order, know this. Uh, if you see this fixed order, know this, God has not deserted his people, Israel, from being a nation before him forever. Now, Israel stopped being a nation when uh, Babylon came and hauled them into captivity. From that time on, the people, the Jews, were dispersed among the nations, uh, but they were not a nation. Not until the 1940s was Israel uh, reinstated as a nation. But the Jews, by and large, are still a dispersed people. And so he's going to bring them back into the land which their fathers possess, and they will possess it, and he will keep his promises to them. So right now there is... There's a place on the map called Israel, and there are some people of Jewish descent, descent who live in Israel, uh, but not all are gathered back yet. Right? And so all of these promises in the Old Testament still have to be fulfilled in the future. Okay? Uh, God is going to keep his promises to his people. In light of their rejection, his promises has come, have come to us, the Gentiles, but God will keep his promises to his people. Right? And that must happen before the end, before Christ's return. This is what Daniel calls the 70th seven, or the last 70th week of Daniel, right? The last seven-year period is where God keeps his promises to the nation, as he promised throughout the Old Testament. And so that means literally that every Jew on the planet is He's going to bring them back to the land which they possess and their fathers, uh, their fathers. Now, um, um, when will that ultimately be fulfilled and completely be fulfilled? Um, um, it will be in the millennial kingdom. Israel will be in the land of Israel. And Gentiles will be in Gentile land. So we'll, we may still get to live in Texas unless you're a Jew. <laughs> uh, if you talk to a Jew and say, hey, you get to live in uh, Oklahoma in the resurrection, they're going, I'm not interested. I don't know if anyone's interested in living in Oklahoma. <laughs> but nonetheless, that's not a, a big appeal. They want to live in the land that was promised to them. That makes sense? Okay, so we good? All of that is necessary prior knowledge before we get to the book of Revelation. Okay? Paul, uh, Paul, John is now going to explain what's going to happen at the end. Okay? The end. Uh, that is the word. Apocalypse. Let's uh, let me do this. Let's see. All right. So, uh, Revelation chapter one. Uh, do you know the word apocalypse? That's the first word. Okay. Uh, we call it the book of Revelation. Uh, it is uh, not the book of Revelation. It's actually the apocalypse. Okay. That's the first word. Uh, the apocalypse of Jesus Christ. That's uh, translated the revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh, which he gave, uh, uh, which God gave him to show his bondservants. So the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God 
gave to Christ to show to his bondservants the things which uh, must take place. And he sent and communicated it by his angel. See if I can make these two uh, stay together. Uh, uh, communicate by his angle to his servant, John. Okay. Now I want you to, um, this, is, this is pretty important here. Um, just the order that takes place in these two verses. The, the, the apocalypse, the revelation comes from God the Father to Christ through an angel to John for the bondservants. Good. Okay. Um, this is standard fare. Okay. Um, John is going to write in First John um, that which we have seen and we have, you know, heard and our hands handled concerning the word of life. We proclaim to you all, so that you all may have fellowship with us, apostles, as our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son. Because in the Gospel of John, the word of the Father became flesh in the Son and tabernacled among us, the apostles, and we proclaimed it to you. Did you catch that? You're going to get this all the way through the New Testament, uh, all the way through the Old Testament, that God is only known through his word given to his apostles and prophets. Not through average Joe. Uh, and, and throughout the Old Testament story, there are those who, and New Testament story, there are those who claim to have revelation from God, uh, yet their words don't match. And they're called false prophets or false teachers. Right? Uh, there's a, I don't know if the pastor didn't mention this, but there's this really interesting, uh, the, the, the English translations kind of, they communicate it, but Sometimes literal just nails the point. It 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 it, uh, uh, it, it makes the point explicit. Um, let me see if I can get this computer to, to cooperate here. Okay. Um, In uh, fight the good fight, take hold of eternal life, uh, which we called, uh, and you made the good confession. Do you see that? Uh, let me read that to you literally, because it's because it is so important. Uh, homo, homo sapien, homo, you know, same means the same, right? In uh, this, so that's this apostrophe looking thing there that is an h sound that's the long o sound home ma lagesas lagos same word um uh that uh the eternal life uh, uh, to which you were called and the same word of the same, and he says it same two times here, right? You see this? So in other words, uh, you, were, uh, you 
same worded, the, the good same word. <laughs> Isn't that good? Uh, you, they translated proclaimed or you uh, made this good confession that you, you proclaimed the good, you, you same worded the same word. The same words that you received from me, the same words that you received from your mother and from your grandmother, the same words which came from Christ, the same words which came from the, 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 the prophets, the same words which came throughout the whole Old Testament, the same words which were proclaimed by the apostles. Right? And so it's the same word, the same confession, the good confession. Not your confession, not what you saw, not what you, because you didn't see anything. Does that make sense? So, um, how are you blessed? Well, you're blessed by reading the word. <clears throat> the words of who? The apostles and prophets. They're the only words that give life. Just as the Father has life in him to give life to whomever he chose, so the Son has life in himself. And that word of life personified in the Son, was entrusted to the apostles to be taken out. And so we proclaim the homo logos, the same word. How do you know that you're proclaiming the same word? You read it. Okay. You don't wait for it to fall from heaven. You don't rely on your experience. You don't rely on your feelings. You don't rely on your logic. You're, you know, and the church has fallen prey to all of those things throughout the ages. Uh, the church in the past has rejected the supernatural because it's unreasonable. Okay? Uh, that was rationalism. It was just a rejection of the supernatural. Uh, that pendulum then swung the opposite direction into romanticism, uh, where um, there's a guy, I'm boring you a little bit here, but let me just give you a little background. Some of the things that have happened in the past. So there's a, a, a scholar named Frederick Schleiermacher, who was Schleiermacher. Uh, he was German. Can you hear that? Schleiermacher. Miss um, Tessbacher. <laughs> Schleiermacher was a German, uh, romantic. Uh, uh, he, uh, he uh, along with uh, Immanuel uh, Kant and some others, um, bring this teaching into the church uh, that the Bible is not the word of God. Listen to this, because you're going to find that this is very alive today. The Bible is not the Word of God. The Bible becomes the Word of God as you experience it in your life. And so, uh, so validation went from the Word of God to ration, uh, to reason and logic. And reason and logic were then rejected for emotionalism, experientialism how you experience things in your life. It is, you hear this, uh, well, it's true because I have experienced it. If you haven't experienced it, then it's not true. And so our, we must rely upon the homo logos, the same word. And we always bring our teachings back to the same word. We evaluate what's being taught, if it matches the words the apostles and Paul. If it doesn't, it's to be rejected. And this is the standard for sound doctrine, okay? Um, 
uh, hetero, uh, fight the good fight, keep the faith, uh, faith uh, hetero diaskalaste, uh, hetero homo same hetero other, di, uh, uh, diaskalas is teaching, other teaching. What, what makes it other teaching? It's not homo logos. It's not the same words. They're different words, <clears throat> different teaching. Right? Uh, and so this is very foundational to what we are to believe in the church. God the Father, through the Son, to the apostles, to the church. Not God to you through personal experience. Not God to you through logic or reason, right? Uh, but this is how God has revealed himself throughout all of the ages. In the Old Testament, God spoke to us in many portions, in many ways, through the angels and through the prophets. That's Hebrews chapter 1. How did God speak in the Old Testament? Uh, through messengers, angels, uh, to the prophets. Check. In these last days... He has spoken through his son. Now, who carries the words of the son? The apostles. And so God has revealed himself through, uh, through the apostles and through the prophets. And so it is here. Make sense? So if, if, you don't, if you don't know the word in context, then you don't know homo logos. You don't know the same word. And you don't go in there and, and say, this verse is for me and talk about experience or whatever. Good? Okay. All right. And by the way, that's how you're blessed. You're blessed because you know this God through reading his word. And, and if, if what he's done back there, he's faithful. If he kept his promises back then, he's faithful. And he kept his promises during this time of the Bible, he's faithful. And now we're here, and we're looking, all of this is still looking forward to the end. And he's faithful to keep it then. And so it affects how every believer throughout the ages lives because they look forward to the end. The motivation was always the end. And so here we are, right? So Revelation chapter 1. Blessed is he who reads and hears the words of the prophecy and heeds. Pays attention to, heeds. Uh, Paul might say, lays hold of, <laughs> right? The things which are written in it. For the time is near. For the time is near. Uh, you remember in Daniel, uh, close the book, Daniel, for the time is far. Now the time is near. Now remember, Paul or John is writing this somewhere around 90 AD. You know, end of the first century. And we are 19, uh, you know, hundred years later or more. Um, how is it that the time is near? Well, the word uh, near, um, uh, it's, uh, it's, this, uh, it's this word here. It is, uh, it's, uh, it's immediate. In other words, there's nothing else in the story that has to happen. We are in the last days. What makes it the last days? The gospel is going out to the Gentiles. We are in the times of the Gentiles. Uh, and when this uh, gospel going out to the Gentiles is completed, the return of Christ occurs. Okay? There's not much. We're at the end of the story. We're at the end of the story now. Okay? That's what that means. Okay. So, 
so John is writing this letter to the seven churches that are in Asia. Okay, there's going to be seven churches, and this is going to occupy chapters uh, two and chapters three, right? And so uh, John is going to write to uh, churches during that day uh, throughout Asia, uh, and uh, the motivation for why the church is to live the way they are to live is because the 70th week is coming, because the consummation of all things is coming, because Christ is returned. And so this end, the assured end, is the motivation for why the believers are to live the way they are, are, are to live. Uh, uh, overwhelmingly, uh, the exhortation is to endure. Endure. Um, the overcomer um, has overcome, and so the way that you overcome is endure. Uh, the word overcomer, we talked about this, that's the word Nike, Nike shoes. <laughs> the victor, overcome, okay? The overcomer has overcome. Who's the overcomer? How has he overcome? What has he overcome? Yeah, death. Uh, and so he has overcome. How will you overcome? How will you overcome uh, death? Through faith in the overcomer, right? And so you endure, you persevere. Good? Okay. All right, so uh, the letter is to the seven churches. Now, there are more than seven churches. There are more than seven churches, but, but John is writing these. Uh, John is exiled on the, the island of uh, Patmos, uh, and he's writing this letter uh, to the churches that are basically on shore. He's on an island on shore, and those are the seven churches that are, that are there. Okay. Um, to the seven churches, uh, grace to you and peace from, uh, from him who is, who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood, and, uh, and he's made us to be uh, uh, a kingdom of priests, to his God and Father, to him, uh, the glory and uh, dominion forever and ever. Amen. Okay, now, let's pause there for a minute. I want to focus in on that word kingdom of priests. He's made us to be a kingdom, priest to uh, his God and Father. Um, who is the kingdom of priests? Do you know that language? This is Israel. Uh, they were created to be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation a nation to the nations, okay? Hold your finger and go back to Galatians. Uh, uh, we're going to go back to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. But now let's remind ourselves of who each of these uh, apostles are writing to, okay? Uh, Romans, of uh, Corinthians, Second Corinthians, Galatians, Galatians chapter two. Paul is explaining his discipleship, his call to Christ in chapter two of Galatians, uh, and uh, he's explaining that uh, he went up after fourteen years to Jerusalem to meet with the apostles. Okay, um, and um, oh, he presented the gospel to them. Um, 
verse 6. But from uh, those who were of high reputation, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Well, those who were of reputation contributed nothing to me. In other words, uh, the apostles, the disciples of Jesus during his life and ministry who were sent out had nothing to contribute to Paul's gospel. Why not? Because Paul was teaching the gospel of the Old Testament. What was Jesus teaching? Gospel of the Old Testament. What were the disciples teaching? Gospel of the Old Testament, right? But on the contrary, seeing that I was entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised, for he who effectually worked for Peter in his apostleship to the circumcised effectually worked for me also to the Gentiles. And recognizing the grace that was given to me, James and Cephas and John, who were reputed to be pillars, gave to me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship, that we, Paul and Barnabas, might go to the Gentiles, and they, who's they? Yeah, uh, James and uh, Cephas, Peter and John. James and Peter and John to the circumcised. And so who does James write to? The 12 tribes dispersed. Greetings. Who does Peter write to? Those in the diaspora scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, and Epidosia. Who does John write to? The Jews. Right? And so this is this letter is written to the seven churches. Uh, now, the, the, the seven ecclesias. Okay, now let's talk about this before we get to um, uh, before we get to chapter two. Okay. Um, Everybody tracking? Is this making sense? Okay. If, if this starts to get cloudy or muddy, you got to stop me and, and say, okay, you got to make it tighter, clarify it, okay? Uh, there's two words that are going to be used. Um, it's to the seven ecclesias. That word ecclesia means Catholic. church. Good, okay. Um, there's another word that's going to be used uh, in Revelation. Look at Revelation chapter 2. Let's see here. Uh, uh, Revelation chapter uh, 2. Let me find it. I'm looking. Uh, here it is. In chapter 2, verse 9. I know your tribulation and your poverty. So he's writing to the angel of the ecclesia in Smyrna. You see that? 2a. The first and the last. Who was dead, who has come to life, says this. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. How can they be in poverty but rich? Uh, it's the same thing that that preacher was talking about today, uh, saying uh, they, they think the gospel is a means of gain. It is of great gain. It is a means of great gain, if you understand it correctly. Not cash. The great gain is not cash. The great gain is eternal life, right? So they may be poor financially, but they are rich in Christ. Okay? They were purchased not with silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, which is far more white. Okay? And the blasphemy 
by those who say they are Jews and are not, that are of the synagogue of Satan. Do you see that? The synagogue. Okay, so synagogue in Greek is synagogue. <laughs> That's helpful. Uh, church in Greek is ecclesia. Good? Now, when we go from the Greek, which is New Testament language, uh, two different words are used for the same one word that's used in the Old Testament. The one word that's used in the Old Testament is kohel. Kohel is the assembly. Okay? Uh, the way that kohel is translated into the Greek Old Testament and the Greek New Testament is one of two ways. It is either translated as ecclesia or synagogue. And so John is writing to these Jews who are in the ecclesia. I will build my ecclesia, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Okay. In the Gospels, uh, is there a synagogue in the Gospels? Yeah. Who controls the synagogue? The Jews. Which Jews? The believing Jews? No, no, no. The unbelieving Jews. Right. And so the synagogue, the Kohel, has rejected Christ. Right. And they have become the Kohel of Satan, the synagogue of Satan. And so Christ is going to build his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Okay? And so John is encouraging these Jewish believers who have believed the gospel, right? Think, don't worry about the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews but are not. Are they not Jews? No, they're Jews. It's the same thing that Paul's saying. Uh, not all Israel is Israel because not all Israel believed. Are you with me? John says the same thing in 1 John. They, remember, who's John writing to? Jews. Uh, unbelieving Jews or believing Jews? Believing Jews. And so uh, John writes to believing Jews and says, they went out from us because they were not really of us. Not all Israel is Israel because not all Israel believed. In light of Israel's rejection, the gospel has gone to the Gentiles, and Israel God's promised people, other than the remnant, have become the synagogue of Satan. Right? And so he's writing to the seven churches, the seven groups of believers who have believed upon Christ to encourage them to endure in the midst of tribulation. And the tribulation is coming uh, against them predominantly from their fellow Jews. They've become enemies. In these churches, are there Gentiles and believers? Uh, there, there may be, but remember, John is writing to the Jews. Yeah. Um, and so this kingdom of priests, Israel is, was created to be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. And John is saying, you hold on to that promise because it's coming. You with me? Making sense? Okay. All right, back to chapter one. Um. Uh, Verse 7, Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn, even so. Okay, what's he say? Uh, we've gone through some of these passages. He is coming with the clouds. Um, hold your finger, go back to Daniel chapter 7. Remember in Daniel... Uh, we went through, uh, through Daniel. There, uh, Daniel chapter 7 is Daniel's uh, dream or vision of the four beasts coming out of the sea. Right? These are four beast nations. 
uh, Gentile nations that are going to rule over the land of Israel during the times of the Gentiles, starting with Babylon, Medes, Persians, Greece, and then Rome. Good? Okay. Uh, and then he kept looking in this night vision, chapter, uh, chapter 7, verse 9, until thrones were set up. Daniel 7, 9. Uh, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His vesture was like white snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne ablaze with flames, and its wheels were a burning fire. And a river of fire was flowing and coming out from before him, and thousands upon thousands were attending him, and myriads upon myriads were standing before him. And the court sat, and the books were open. And I kept looking because of the sound of the boastful words which the horn was speaking. This was the little horn. We're going to get to him in the book of Revelation. And I kept looking until the beast was slain, and its body was destroyed and given to, burning, uh, to the burning of fire. This is going to take place in Revelation chapter 20. And the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but an extension of life was granted to them for an appointed period of time, Millennial Kingdom. And I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming. And he came up to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all of the peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, one which will, will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. Okay? That's going to happen at the end of the story. The promised Christ is going to appear. He's going to be coming with the clouds. Uh, and all will bow down to him. Revelation. Behold, he is coming with the clouds. You're going to get reference, uh, references to this all the way through the Gospels, all the way through the epistles. Did you catch that son of man language? One like a son of man. Okay. Son of man is not a simply a title of Christ's humanity. It is a title. Uh, that goes with Daniel chapter 7. Son of God is not a, a simply a title of Christ's deity. That's Psalm 2. Okay. Uh, in Matthew chapter 26, verse 63. Uh, in John chapter 10, the, 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 the Pharisees asked Jesus, tell us plainly, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? Are you the Christ, the Son of the living God, Son of God? He says, you've seen it yourself. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of the Father, Psalm 110, and coming on the clouds. He said, yep, you've seen it. I'm the one that's going to run this joint. That's a very loose translation. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm going to run it all. Okay. Um, and so uh, this was... What all of the story is looking forward to, the consummation when the, the one that's seated at the right hand of the Father comes and restores all that was lost and fixes it. He'll be coming on the clouds. When is he going to be coming on the clouds in Revelation 19? Or it's in Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. Okay? So, behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who have pierced him. This is Zechariah chapter 12. They will look upon him whom they pierced, and they will mourn. 
Okay, uh, we did that. I think Zechariah last week. Uh, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. Even so, Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God. Uh, he uh, 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 who is, uh, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. And I, John, your brother and fellow partaker in the tribulation and the kingdom and perseverance in Christ, in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and because of the testimony of Christ. In other words, he was exiled uh, in prison. And I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like the sound of a trumpet saying, Writing the, write in the book what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamum, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Those are the seven churches that, that are going to receive uh, instruction in chapters 2 and chapter 3. And I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and I uh, turned and uh, saw uh, seven gold lampstands. And in the middle of the seven lampstands, was one like a son of man. There it is again, son of man, clothed with a robe reaching to his feet and girded across his breast with a golden girdle. And his head uh, and his hair were white like wool, like snow, and his eyes were a flame of fire. And his feet were burnished bronze uh, when it is caused to glow in the furnace. And his voice was like the sound of many waters. And in his right hand, he held the seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. The sharp two-edged sword you're going to see in uh, uh, Revelation chapter uh, 19 uh, in uh, Isaiah chapter 11. The sword which comes from his mouth to slay the nation. Where it says in verse 13, um, of the seven candlesticks, and like Yeah, so so the, this is where we go wrong when we uh, associate the Son of Man with humanity. Um, in, uh, in all uh, three of the synoptic Gospels, synoptics means Matthew and Mark and Luke, um, after uh, uh, Christ's rejection by Israel, um, the promise of the church is given, and then he tells his disciples, you will see the king in his, uh, in his glory. Um, and then there's the transfiguration. This transfiguration is when they see uh, this Christ, transfigured Christ in his glory, and they hit the dirt like dead men. Right? Um, so that's what it's talking about. Does that make sense? Right. So the Son of Man is not, it's not looking like uh, me or Mike or Johnny. Or, it's the resurrected Christ. Right? It's the resurrected Christ. You're welcome. Uh, uh, and uh, so, so the 11 lampstands, those are the seven churches, and the one who stands in the middle of the seven churches is the Christ. And he's going to exhort them through his words. Okay. Now, uh, back before we kind of went over at the, uh, the uh, seven spirits, you can ask, what are the seven? I have no idea. 
in one four, seven spirits. Um, there are a whole bunch of speculations about what are the seven spirits. I just say, I don't know, because the Bible doesn't tell us. Okay. Um, some have said that they're the seven spirits that are in uh, Isaiah chapter 11, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of... The problem is you count those up, there's only six. Well, now you get seven. Um, others have argued that there's an extra biblical book, First Enoch, that lists seven spirits, which, like seven angels before the throne, could be known. All I know is it says seven spirits are before the throne, and so I conclude that there are seven spirits before the throne. Best I got. <laughs> Good? Okay. Um, okay. Uh, back to chapter one. Uh, uh, and, uh, and in his right hand, he held seven stars. And out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in its strength. So this is the picture of the transfigured Christ. Uh, stars uh, and angels, uh, you know, stars and angels go together through the Bible. We'll talk about that more as we go. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as a dead man. Um, I, 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 I like this uh, verse a lot. Um, and the reason I do is because, uh, and he laid his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. Now, remember, remember who this is. This is John, the disciple that Christ Love. That's how he's described, right? The disciple that Christ loved. So um, we've come to this place in our church history where often Christ is pre presented as your buddy and your pal and your friend, right? And this is the disciple that Christ loved. And when he sees the resurrected Christ, he does not say, hey, dude, what's up? Where you been? He hits the ground as a dead man. And then Christ says, do not fear. And you'll notice this all the way through the scriptures. Um, is God to be feared? Absolutely. And then, so after the correct response, because the beginning of knowledge, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Then he tells you, do not fear. Right? You better fear. And then he says, do not fear. Until you fear, you don't know why you have no reason to not fear. Does that make sense? Okay. And so here's John, resurrected Christ. Same word, uh, he fell down as a dead man. It's the same word that shows up in John chapter 18, uh, where Jesus is being arrested. They all come to arrest him. He asks them, who do you seek? And they say, Jesus the Nazarene. And he says, eh, where I am. And they all, 600 Roman soldiers, I don't know why it takes 600 soldiers to arrest one guy. Apparently they thought they did. Turns out they didn't have enough. They all fell down as dead men. Um, anyway, so great, uh, great verse. There. Do not fear. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. Now, just think about that for a second. What then do you have to fear? He, he holds the keys of death and Hades. I've said this before. One of my favorite stories, I think it's a funny story, 
It's in John chapter 11. Uh, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. And in John chapter 12, uh, the response uh, to, to Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead by the Pharisees is to conclude they need to kill Lazarus again. That's just absurd. There's nothing you can do. Uh, if you're a believer, and this is true, if this is true, you have nothing to fear. Right? This is the motivation for why we do what we, and why we can endure. And why even if we are poor, we are rich. Right? Therefore, and this is the structure for the book, okay? We'll close it up after, at the end of chapter one. Therefore, John, write the things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which shall take place after these things. Write the things which you have seen. That's the vision you just saw. You're on the island of Patmos. You were there in the spirit on the, the day of the Lord and you heard behind you this voice saying, and you turn and look and you saw what you, right, tell them about that, write that down. And the things which are, uh, what are the things which are? Uh, the letters to the seven churches. These are the things which are. Write the things which are. Okay? And then, and most importantly, write the things which shall take place after these things. Okay? In chapter 4, verse 1, uh, chapter 4 begins with, after these things I looked and behold. Okay? So write the things which you've seen, the things which are, and the things which shall take place after these things. Maybe after these things is chapter 4 through chapter 22. Good? As for the mystery of the seven stars, which you saw in my right hand. Right? This is why uh, if you read it, you don't have to interpret it. The Bible's going to tell you what, you what these things represent. If it doesn't tell you, uh, maybe it's already told you in the Old Testament uh, the imagery that is being repeated, or you're just not familiar. Uh, the seven stars are what? The angels of the seven churches. The messengers of the seven churches. Okay, And the seven lampstands, what are they? Seven churches. Okay, so you have the seven churches are the lampstands and the, star, uh, the stars are the angels. Okay, now, there are two views on what the angels are, angels' messengers. Okay. Um, angelos is the word in, uh, in Greek. In Hebrew, it's malak. Okay. Uh, a malak, uh, is a, it just means messenger. Okay. If it's a messenger from God, uh, then don't be shocked if it's an angel, an angelic being. Um, but a messenger from God can also be Paul. <laughs> To be a messenger from God. Christ is a messenger from God, right? Um, and so some have argued, uh, and, and you'll get this in uh, uh, First and Second Timothy, uh, sometimes the, the preacher is called the messenger. Okay? And so maybe these are, uh, the, 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 the seven messengers are the seven pastors overseeing the churches. Okay. Now, I want you to notice that uh, in the letters to the seven churches, who's the letter actually to? To the angel of the church in Ephesus, right? 
to the angel at the church of Smyrna, right? And to the angel of the church of Pergamum, right? Now, um, the way that this goes is God the Father gave this revelation to the Son. The Son gives it to the angel, you with me, to take it to John. And then John's going to take this message and give it to the angel. I don't know that that's probably God the Father to the Son by via by message of the of the messenger, the angel, to John to give to the messengers to the churches. It's probably, if I had to guess, I'd say I'm 65% there, 35%. Angel. Does that make sense? All right. Um, so these are messages to the pastors, potentially, to say, here's what you teach your church. Here's what you say to your church. Now, whether it is a, um, if it's to an angel, I don't know how that gets communicated down to the church. If it is from God the Father, uh, through the Son, by a messenger, to John, to the churches, to the pastor of the church, to be taught in the churches, that, that's the way that it functions throughout the Bible. Does that make sense? Okay. And so you'll get some of that uh, angel messenger language uh, in, uh, in uh, some of Paul's letters. Okay. Okay, good. Yep. From Christ, all the of Christ. Yep. Yep. Okay. To instruct the churches. Right. Okay. To instruct the churches. And then what so what so that the churches will know what it is that they are what's necessary for them to know in the future. Not just the things which are, uh, but the reason they can do what they are doing today, the things which are, is because of the things which are to come. I'm gonna ask that because when it says like he saw him. Place his right hand on him, and he said, "Do not be afraid." So, it's almost like, then, it's like it's almost like the angel narrating what happened. Is that is, is that correct? Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, I see what you're asking. So, one of the things that happens in the Old Testament um, is an angel will show up, uh, and it will announce it as an angel. The angel of the Lord appeared to Abraham, mm -hmm. and then Abraham is talking to the angel, but the Abraham. Abraham uh, addresses the angel as the Lord. Okay, why is that? Uh, you'll get the same thing in uh, Old Testament stories with a messenger from King David. Um, so that's not an angelic being. Uh, it is a Malach uh, David, a messenger of David. Um, and, but when that messenger is addressed by whoever, they will address the messenger as the king. So you treat the messenger, so you treat the king. Uh, it's not how we do it, uh, but it is how we do it. Is that good? All right, we doing okay? Tracking? Check. Chapter one makes sense. All right, we're one uh, twenty-second of the way uh, through the book, and we're, we're rolling along pretty good. Okay, so, ne so next week, read chapters two and chapters three. Remind me this for next week. Chapters two and chapter three. Uh, and look for the things that are repeated, right? 
what are the promises? There's a uh, look for the structure that goes to these these seven churches. It's basically the same formula: introduction, what's going on in the church, exhortation uh, to endure, and and promises. Okay, uh, look at those promises, and then you're going to see those promises for the overcomers show up throughout the rest of the book of Revelation. Okay, and where do they show up? It's going to be going to help us. Going to help us guide away. We started this in July. Yeah. And are you teaching Revelation this week in like two days? Um, in uh, yep, in Monday through uh, this week, I'm teaching um, in 40 hours um, Hebrews, first, second, and third John, first and second Peter, James, and Jude, and Revelation. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and so we're going to go a whole lot faster than we're going in here. Yeah. That's okay. Not as detailed, but not, but, but. But what's going to happen is I'm going to have to just say, look, this is what it is. You know, trust me, read the notes next. Okay. Um, and they'll have, you know, it might take them a lifetime to figure it out. Uh, this is why Sunday school and church is such a better way to do this. Week after week, we're in no rush. We don't have, you know, we don't have to be done by five o'clock on Friday. Uh, and so we have time to ask questions and think, and if it takes longer, it takes longer. Right? But this week is going to be quick. Be quick for those folks. Yeah. So anyway, let me close the word of prayer, and uh, and we're done. Lord, thanks for today, uh, for our church. Uh, Lord, we continue to lift up to you this whole COVID thing. Uh, help us uh, get through this. Get us back to being the body of Christ, meeting together, uh, spending time with one another encouraging one another. Uh, Lord, thank you for the opportunity today uh, to study, uh, and Lord, continue to be with us in Christ's name. Amen.